0: think inside, I didn't feel good enough. So I thought that maybe if I could do something really special or really big, that people would see me differently and I would hold a status and I would feel better about myself and I would create this identity through achievement. And uh, I was completely wrong. And it, it wasn't the first time that God probably tried to teach me that lesson. It was just the first time I really heard him loud and clear.
1: Hi there. Welcome back to the Christian Leader Made Simple podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Franklin, and this is a show where we help you learn and master the skills you need to grow your leadership effectiveness and enjoyment. And if you don't wanna miss an episode, be sure to hit the subscribe button and the bell on YouTube or the subscribe button on your favorite podcast platform to get notified as soon as I post a new session. Before we get started, I do wanna mention that I have a great product called the Christian Leader Blueprint. It's a solid model for leadership development, help you establish a better rhythm of life to see yourself more clearly to leverage your strengths, and to build more productive relationships. And I wanna give you the short guide as my gift. You can go to ryanfranklin.org and you can download it for free today. So without any further delay, let's get to our session. I'm excited today to have on the podcast a good friend of mine, Pastor Josh Melanson. I wanna start by telling you a little bit about Josh. Josh is a speaker, he's a writer, He's a fanatical eater of anything made with crawfish. Man, I love crawfish. He and his wife, Keisha, live in South Louisiana, along with their two children, teenage children. He has pastored for over a decade and has been strategic in leading a congregation to significant growth with over a thousand members. He and Keisha are dedicated to seeing families thrive and have been used frequently as marriage conference speakers. He has a tremendous passion to see people grow in their relationships with God. And this is what led to Josh's first published book called Church Junkies. It's a great book, by the way, which is on the topic of spiritual health. And that is available on Amazon. But we're here to talk about another subject today. And and it's the subject of Josh's next book project that he's currently working on. And the next book will be on humility with the working title of Mark of the Least. So Josh, welcome to the Christian Later Made Sepple podcast.
0: Thanks, Ryan. What an honor to be on it, man. Even though I wasn't the first person you asked to be, it's appropriate, since the topic today is humility, that you would put me way <laughs> down the list. And of course, I'm teasing. Yeah, I'm so you know, privileged, held, man, to be a part of this.
1: I've held <laughs> out on you all this time because of that.
0: Just no <laughs> You were letting me grow. You were letting me grow. Exactly. To be exactly. on it. It's a privilege. Well, thank
1: you for being here. But uh, before we get into the topic of of what we're going to talk about, I want a, a little status update on what's going on in the crawfish world of Thibodeau, Louisiana, right now. <laughs> what's What's happening? Is it, Is it on the downslide? Is it Man, over?
0: The boiling season is over, but that's just a transition for us. Now we get into the phase. Uh, and all of that in the stews because now we get them frozen and uh, then we go right back into the boiling season and i eat them every way you can eat them and love them and everyone else needs to as well
1: well you know we're midway up the boot in louisiana and that's uh Uh definitely one of my favorite meals as well so we we (laughs) uh we get in on the crawfish as well
0: well man we're always excited about crawfish around here but I'm excited. I wanted to bring this up. I hope you don't mind. I'm excited about your book that just came out. I know as this <laughs> podcast is being launched, your book was just launched. And I feel like I've read your book through your life, not on paper, because uh, you and I have had so many conversations about leadership. And uh, I'm super pumped about it, man. I'm yeah. proud of you.
1: You know what? I, I don't mind you uh asking at all. I love <laughs> <laughs> just so
0: happen to have a copy. I just right so happen your- to have a
1: copy right <laughs> beside me, and uh, I'm ex- super excited about this. This is a uh, this is two and a half years yeah. of writing. You know what it takes to to write a yeah. book, and uh, yeah. years of study, but two and a half years of of really uh, pounding it out, and it's finally yeah. here, and I'm excited about it. Excited to get the concepts
0: into people's hands. Yeah. Well, I think it's going to be a valuable book. I know our plan at House of Prayer is to buy a box of them and hand them out to our leaders and volunteers. Uh-huh. So excited for you, that's man. Awesome. And, and that's really, awesome. That's That's not flattery. I know the investment you've made in growth in that topic and the impact you've made in our team. And uh, just appreciate it. Excited for you. Thank,
1: thank you for that. I, I really appreciate it. Thank you for the support on it, for sure. Absolutely. So- In our conversations that you and I have had uh, personally, uh, we've talked a lot about this subject. You've mentioned (laughs) that leaseness is what God marks his people with, and so I'd like to just kick this subject of humility off by talking about uh, maybe you just elaborating on the concept of leaseness and sort of how that relates to God's people, How how, how does this How does uh, this understanding of leaseness shape our perspective on humility and leadership?
0: Yeah, well, it really started with a personal journey for me. Um, I guess somehow, I I think just instinctively and naturally, I developed a, a need to be the best at everything, trying to be, you know, always achieve and beat everybody at everything and be the best at everything. And it was just naturally ingrained in me. And I I just lived in a state of angst and frustration, and uh, it wasn't working for me. I would would hit these landmarks that I had set for myself to achieve, and I was almost more frustrated than before I achieved them, and I knew something wasn't right. And that's when God started talking to me, and I remember when he spoke to me. And it was kind of a weird situation because I had just spoken what I considered a pretty large event at the time. And so I should be on a high. I should be just, wow, I've done it. I've arrived. But instead, I really just felt uh, disappointed, frustrated, almost embarrassed. Like, why did I want that so bad? Why did I need that? Why is this so important to me? And the Holy Ghost just began to speak to me. And I was really broken about it. And uh, this is how the Lord sort said of, it to sort me. Of it sounds kind of weird. Sort of left an emptiness within you, right? Absolutely. I didn't feel fulfilled yeah. in it. I felt the opposite. Yeah. And the Lord says to me, and I really felt, I know it sounds strange, but he said, I know you've heard of the mark of the beast, but have you heard of the mark of the least? And it was almost like in my mind, I didn't completely understand wow. what he's saying, but I knew the direction he was sending me. He was saying, I mark my people with leastness, but there'll be a coming age where the Antichrist, you'll have to bear his mark, but my people will bear bear my mark, which I believe will be the mark of humility, lowliness. And uh, he said in Matthew 25, I think it is where he says, whatever you've done to the least of these, you've done unto me, which tells me that Jesus dwells in leastness, And uh, in a society where everybody's trying to be the most or the best and have more, God is in the leastness. He's in the broken. He's in the humble he's in the lowly so really the concept began to shake my life and I've been on that journey ever since and that was over 10 years ago wow
1: so Josh I'm just curious the the event the conference that left you kind of empty Mm -hmm. what do you think at its core what do you think that you were trying to feel in that moment what do you think you were trying to um fill yourself with in that Mm -hmm. moment of of you know standing before all these people speaking um why do you think that left you empty and does that make sense I'm not even sure if I'm really
0: asking that question correctly I think I think it's a great question actually uh because that is the question I think inside I didn't feel good enough so I thought that maybe if I could do something really special or really big that people would see me differently and I would hold a status and I would feel better about myself and I would create this identity through achievement. And uh, I was completely wrong. And it, it wasn't the first time that God probably tried to teach me that lesson. It was just the first time I really heard him loud and clear. And I was just done spinning my wheels on this, treadmill of success trying to achieve you know a lot of movement a lot of effort but not really getting to where god wanted me to be and uh so you know i've heard it said many times you know before you climb the ladder of success make sure it's on the right building i think i had a lot of my climbing you know just in the wrong places uh with impure motives and god began to deal with me because i had a lot of pride
1: yeah well speaking of pride what is pride? You know, we've, we've, <laughs> it's, uh, at its core, I'm hearing you say mm-hmm. it was the insecurities that were raising mm-hmm. this desire yeah. in you to, to be in front of people. And, you know, it though, is. though that's, that's a method of actually doing God's will and, and fulfilling a calling. It, if, if it's done with the wrong frame of mind, is yeah. that pride Or, or how would you define pride?
0: Yeah. Well, the way I begin to see pride, and I see it in the scriptures that way too, because pride and humility are tough to to find. You know, What do they look like? What are they? Uh, I noticed that pride existed in some in the form of overconfidence, which was where it existed in me a lot of times. But I could also give you instances in my life where I was extremely insecure and lacked confidence. And what I realized, it was the same pride. It was just different faces of it. Uh, almost like a seesaw. Like one side of the seesaw was overconfidence. The other side of the seesaw was insecurity, but it was the same issue. It was pride, a sense of identity through being better and through accomplishment and achievement, which we know accomplishment and achievement in and of itself is not wrong. It's necessary. But a lot of times when, when we're pursuing those things, they're for the wrong reasons and they don't have godly causes associated to them.
1: So um I can't help but to be drawn to to that word that you said faces faces <laughs> of pride. Yeah. Uh you and I are quite different. We've had a lot of conversations. Mm-hmm. Um you you generally approach that pride topic from a uh I'll just say what it is an egotistical type <laughs> presence. That's correct. I I approach that from a place of just an insecurity that it, it it could even be labeled as a false humility, even in a sense, yeah. but it's, but, it, but at its core, it's just, it's just insecurities. Yeah. Um, and I've had to work through that and I know that you have had to do some deep work to work through yours. So mm-hmm. tell me more about the faces of pride.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, God gave it to me this way. If I were to tell you to go find my wife in a room, but you didn't know what she looked like, you could wander around that room looking for my wife forever and never find her. And humility is a lot like that. If you don't know what it looks like, you know, it's hard to really go for. It's hard to really find. And if you don't know what pride looks like, you you could be behaving in prideful mannerisms and ways and not even know it. So. Uh, one of the things we try to dig out in the book is what does pride look like and what does humility look like so that we can start understanding it. Now, that's just symptomatic, so that's not going to solve the problem, but it can at least start educating us and identifying and making us aware uh, to deal with the issues. But, you know, pride for so, me would look like always trying to be the best, always yeah. trying to be the talker in the room. Uh, Stan Gleason said it so bad. Uh, a here am I hear my kind of approach versus a there you are kind of approach, which I love that in his book Follow to Lead. Um, yeah. I was I was that here am I kind of guy because I had something to prove every time I walked in a room, that was mm. a face of pride. Whereas yeah. you know, as I begin to learn about humility, it's like I learned that humble people. One of the ways that humility looks is it's merciful, it's kind, it's gentle. It's, yeah. it listens first, speaks last. Uh, it gets to the back of the food line. <laughs> you know, uh, Simon Sinek wrote a book, "Leaders Eat Last." You know, I, I love that title. I don't even remember what the book said, but <laughs> I love the title. It it really is yeah. true. Humility is willing to go to the back of the line so someone else can be in front.
1: So dig out dig out a few more of those characteristics of pride. What is that? Human- what would that look like? Yeah. And, and maybe even, uh, Josh, if you don't mind being transparent, what did yeah. that look like, particularly in your life?
0: Yeah, it. I think it would come up a lot, of, like in leadership rooms, feeling like I was the expert on every topic, feeling then- like my opinion was the best opinion. Um, and also, one of the faces of pride that I saw a lot in me, and maybe that's not everyone, but I was critical. I always had a critical opinion about something. Um, yeah, it, it's embarrassing to say now because I believe God's really done some healing in my heart, where now I'm more of an encourager and an uplifter, and I see the God in people and things. But in the early days, I was so everything was a competition to me. So anytime someone did something good, I had to minimize it so that I could maximize myself. And so it came off in very condescending tones, in criticism. And it's very embarrassing to talk about, but I feel like the more open I am about it, I feel like the more open others can be about it. And so I'm writing this book, Mark of the Least on Humility, really not from a position of being an expert in humility, but more like a patient, (laughs) a patient who needs help. Uh, than an expert yeah. who needs to speak on it, because it's really just been something that God's had to do a deep work in me. And as He's healed me, my life has gotten better in every attribute. Every mm. every relationship I have has gotten better as God has taught me humility and dealt with my pride. And really, that's
1: that's the bottom line: is relationships, right? Because it is. An egotistical approach to life is going to just repel people. That's it's. It feels like it's helping that person in the moment, yeah. but it just repels people. It leaves. It, it sort of erodes, and most of the time, it's a slow progression to this. But it sort of just kind of chips away at the relationship, right? Yeah,
0: it does. Did you? It does. Did you
1: see that? Did you see that play out in any, in, uh, in real life? relationships I did.
0: in your life? Did. Oh, the most obvious one is with my wife. Yeah. Um, she would say things like, I can't tell you anything negative about yourself. She would say that. That would always hurt my and feelings. She's not,
1: she's not a passive person either. She can hold she's her not,
0: own. <laughs> she's not, which goes to show how intimidating pride can be. Uh, some, yeah. te- some people pride themselves in being intimidating, but that's not a good characteristic. doesn't mean you're superior. It just means you're egotistical. And uh, so I had to do it. And I apologized to her. I wept in front of her, which if anybody knows me, that's not going to be an every month occasion. That's going to be a very rare thing because I have too much pride to do that. Right. But I wept. I apologized to her. I've apologized to my children. I've apologized to my siblings. I've apologized to our congregation because I realized the damage I did with such a self focused approach to life. And once I became others-focused and God-focused, I started realizing how many relationships I had to work on because winning had cost me in my relationships that matter most to me. Now, here's the thing that I hope encourages your audience, Ryan, is, is that when I made that scary, transparent, vulnerable approach to repenting and making it right, what I learned is that all of these people wanted a deeper relationship with me, but they had gotten to the place of resentment towards me so bad that until I repented, we couldn't go any further. And so hey. I had to just confess it, repent it, and every time I would maybe act out again in those ways, quickly, quickly, in the moment even, say, I'm sorry, I should have said that. Or, I'm sorry, I, I didn't mean that. Just immediately so, approach it so I could train was, myself.
1: Yeah, but it was a... uh so you didn't just snap out of it. In other words, yeah, it, it took. It, it took. But 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 the awareness started yeah. that healing process, and I would imagine even today you still struggle with this, right? It's a, every it's day. a daily struggle.
0: Yeah, every day because it's a flesh and spirit thing. You know, but you're more aware of it flesh. now. Yeah, yeah. And I did want to say this earlier when we were talking about faces of pride and faces of humility. That's symptoms. And it is important to identify symptoms because they they reveal a condition, but it doesn't heal the condition. The condition and, has to be dealt with at the root of it. Um I once heard a quote that says, for every thousand people cutting away at the leaves of evil, there's one chopping away at the root of it. And I think a lot of us are dealing well, with the symptoms of pride and humility, but really what I felt God was calling me to is to deal with the root of my pride and condition my spirit in yeah. humility. And the only way I've been able to get better and grow in humility and decrease in pride and really deal with that part of me and die to that daily is to really go deeper in my time with God, to marinate, to linger in okay. his presence. Cause what it would do, it would condition, it would condition my soul to be more humble because you're not going to get out of the throne room of heaven and but, think but, highly of yourself. But Josh, I, I know a lot
1: of preachers who have an um, egotistical risk who, <laughs> who pray every day. So yeah, what makes the yeah, difference? Yeah.
0: Yeah. I'm so glad you said that. Cause I was, I knew that was going to be the great challenge of that statement because it's true. And I'll tell you yeah. a story that really proves that. Um, I remember okay. I was talking. I was a young minister, and I just started preaching. And uh, it was this pastor of a smaller church, probably about 60 people. And uh, I, I bribed him, basically. I was like, if you preach me, I'll preach for free. So one time I preached a seven-week revival for him for absolutely nothing. I think he fed me one time and paid me nothing. Oh and uh, I was glad to do it. You know, I was glad. But he told me one time, he said, yeah. He said, I pray about six to nine hours a day. And I was just like, oh, goodness all right like this guy's like a superhero of the faith right and it really played out not to be so he's not a bad man but he really i didn't see the impact of that in his ministry life family relations i didn't see it he's not a bad man i'm not speaking ill of him and no one would even know who i was talking about it was so long ago but i I knew something was not there what i've learned digging that out in myself and in conversations with others is us sitting in a room and saying a bunch of words to the atmosphere, is it always praying? You know, if someone walked up to me and just said a bunch of words and walked away and never let me said it, say anything to them, I would eventually avoid that person. And I think yeah. some of what we call praying is just us rehearsing our own ideas about life and never letting God correct So I hope that makes sense. But what I'm saying is, is not everything we call prayer is prayer. And I think we got to go to the scriptures and see what prayer looks like there. And also understanding that listening is a huge part of our walk with God.
1: Yeah. And that, and that definitely does make sense. However, there's some, there's a, there's a, a, a move from the prayer room to the relationship room. It where will. relationships are made or or broken and there's got to be some practicality of how that moves from the prayer room to the relationship room and you and you've managed to do that effectively now not always effective in that but but you right. but you're moving that direction and becoming more and more proficient in eliminating that egotistical risk from your relationships Uh, One of the things is, is you're, is you're aware that you have that and you admit it and you're even writing a book on it and doing (laughs) podcast on it. And so all of these things, there's a sense of accountability that comes with that, which is needed. Yeah. Uh Um, And you're having conversations with people. You're apologizing to people. Yes. Are are you also uh, allowing people to even call you out on it? Is there, that's is there the people in one. your life that will call you out?
0: Yeah, that I think that's one of the biggest areas. Because again, I can't fully trust myself uh, to always see myself. I heard a leader say that one time. He said, when you're in a room, the only person you can't see in the room is yourself. And in the room of life, a lot of times the only person we can't see is ourselves. And so what other people who are close to us are, is sometimes they'll hold a mirror up for us and say, you know, You're really condescending sometimes or you're really defensive sometimes or you're really aggressive sometimes and you don't realize it and i want to make you aware of it well in that moment you can intimidate that person so they don't ever tell you something like that again or you open the door to let that conversation continue and you say something that affirms what they just said where you like you know what you're right and i want you to know that anytime you see it you have permission to tell me because I don't want to do anything that dishonors God or that hurts you. So you have to open that door to it for me. Oh, that was never something that wasn't something I rarely did. That was something I never did. And now it's something I try to always do. When someone tells me something that shocks me, hurts me, surprises me. This is an exceptional moment. This is a great moment. This is not a bad moment. This is a time to learn. You know what I
1: hear when I hear you say that? When I hear you talk about giving somebody permission to to speak up, and I hear respect for others, for people, Amen. and the organization, the, the the for in your case the church, uh, respect for those two things above yourself, uh, which is which is uh, which is super. I mean, it's really yeah. that's at its core. The other way, the egotistical side of it, approach yeah. to things is is trying to garner respect for yourself. It's kind of it's trying to show yourself bigger than them, bigger than the yes. organization. Yeah, but you're yes. you're taking a humble approach in that a true humble approach and respecting others and respecting your organization
0: first. Yeah, right. Yeah, it is, and it comes from a place of identity in Christ. Uh as God begin to fortify my inner man, you know, as Ephesians yeah. 3 16 talks about, you know, strengthening the inner man. Oh, uh, I really think that as I grew in God, I needed the approval of others less so I could approve others more. When you don't need the approval of others as much, you can mm. give more approval, which <laughs> in return, brings more approval to you that's the that's the paradox of it all as you love others and as you humble yourself they just love you more and lift you up more i don't even know that you know and, and you can't manipulate it if you do it in the form no. of manipulation people will read right through it but it really i think it's you the heart of it go ahead you
1: actually you actually accomplish what the egotistical approach is trying to accomplish mm-hmm in an unhealthy yeah. way you actually accomplish it in a very healthy way if you if you're yeah. not egotistical
0: yeah but isn't that the whole scriptures it just seems like everything is paradoxical it's it's opposites you know uh to go up you gotta yeah. go down in you know so the true. lord will often package his greatest blessings in the ugliest wrapping paper and once you learn that about god you embrace humility you embrace sacrifice. You embrace suffering. You embrace hardship. You embrace all those things because you realize what they are. They are doors to a, a great next. That's all they are. Yeah. Is a door.
1: And you also embrace the fact that Josh Melosol is not perfect.
0: That's it's possible. It's very possible.
1: <laughs> He's not. <laughs> He's not the best at most things.
0: <laughs> it, it's, it's, it's not even, you know, the hilarious part of that is when God starts healing you in some of these areas, you look back at your life and you start cringing at experiences and conversations. Because one of the biggest side effects of pride is self-deception. Mm-hmm. And when you get an inflated ego, you don't see uh I was telling you a funny story about my glasses you know but it's true um I chose these glasses these glasses are a one they're they're I, my eyes are starting to go bad so I have cheaters now and I had another pair that I see better with but they don't look as good so I had to choose coming on this podcast did I want to look better or did I want to see better <laughs> I think once you realize that the better choice is seeing better you start looking at all those choices you made to look better and you start really yeah. getting embarrassed and, uh, thinking of all the meetings you were in, you know, and I do want to say this to this, this is something that really is big on my heart because I know probably some pastors are watching your podcast and I don't know how many of your leaders out there that follow you are, are pastors, but I would say this to all the pastors or CEOs or business owners or bosses of something, be careful That you don't excuse your pride, because this is something I did. I excuse my pride because of my achievement. But just because you're achieving doesn't mean you're in the right condition, because sometimes the Lord loves what you're building too much to let it crumble, but he may have to chasten you. And so I would really—
1: That's that's powerful. Can you say um, that one more time? Say that one more time. (laughs)
0: Well, I think the way I wrote it is sometimes we justify our condition because of our achievements. Yeah, and so we're justifying that the so way I am achi- is okay. Our, look achi- what done. our
1: achievements, our achievements, will allow us sometimes to even continue down the unhealthy path that we're on.
0: Yes, and that's where you get, you know, maybe a pastor of a large church, or just something viewed as successful, or a business owner who's sold a lot of things or made a lot of money. And so you think I must be good because look what I have accomplished. But Mm -hmm. if they're not checking the condition of their heart and submitting their soul and spirit to the Lord and saying, God, is this right? Am I behaving right? What could happen is you're carrying pride in the journey. So what's happening is you're, you're climbing the ladder, but it's just going to be a harder fall. And I've seen a lot of like, my dad always told me, "You never want to meet your heroes," you know. And and sometimes that is proven to be true. Sometimes that is proven to be false. Uh, I I remember when I met Raymond Woodward and we became friends. Uh, not to name drop, but I am name dropping. But <laughs> he's the most humble man. He is so brilliant. He he does circles I've, around me. I have he found the same thing. Yeah. As a peer. He's just a kind I found man. The same thing. He loves to talk to you. Uh, he takes every car from everybody. He has his cell phone on the internet, which is crazy. Uh, he's such an high demand. And yet I've met other leaders and it's just like, oh, I don't know if I could listen to them preach anymore. I don't know if I could really admire them like I once did. And you wonder, well, how did the other guy get so high? Well, their achievement doesn't excuse their condition. And I had to look at myself and say, Josh, which one are you? Are you the kind of guy that wow. when people meet you, they feel like you're a down-to-earth, humble, God-fearing, loving person, Can you know, interested in them? Or are you a guy who talks over people, who just wants to be yeah. heard, doesn't want to hear? You know, and yeah. it really has made me do some deep soul searching.
1: So as as we're talking about this, I, my mind is going to to sort of, the path of how do we cultivate this humility, and I know mm-hmm. it's wrapped up in our identity in Christ and our sense yeah. of calling. How, yeah. how does how does our identity in Christ and even our sense of calling how does that contribute to cultivating
0: humility? Yeah, well, I think one of the things that I do personally that helps me it's it's changed some <laughs> things is how we use the Word of the God. Uh, we talk about the word as a sword of the spirit, and uh, I think it was A.J. Holloway who who was talking to me about that word, how it literally means a surgical knife. Um, mm-hmm. And I think when we can take the word of God and let God use it as a surgical knife on our hearts, versus a sword to attack others, I think we can really shift from pride to humility and really get the context of the scriptures. Cause the scriptures were not That's meant good. to prove how superior we are to those who don't obey it. The scriptures were meant to free us and help us lead us to guide us, to deliver us. And so I think using the word of God on your own heart, and letting God yeah. confront you. Cause it's, I used to think confrontation was the worst thing in the world, but I have since learned that in our relationship with God, and others confrontation can be some of the greatest experiences of your life if it brings healing health and direction absolutely And so let the word Ed, of god confront you
1: and i you know speaking of that the word of god confronting you and we need we need grace we need that we we don't need it you, you know as a sword devouring us but mm-hmm. we also need truth we need change we need we need to legitimately be able to to, to change ourselves and shape ourselves into mm-hmm. what the word of God is saying. We need both. Yeah. We need truth yeah. and we need grace. And yes. if we combine truth, grace and time, yeah. then that is a perfect combination for for
0: significant
1: growth in our life.
0: Yeah. And I think that was the hardest part for me is when I realized how much change had to happen in me and you realize this is not going to be an overnight journey and uh, i started this journey over 10 years ago i started writing about humility and pride and and i'd have to erase and go back to things and redo the concepts because they were wrong it was so incomplete you know and then i would arrogantly talk about how i was learning about humility (laughs) it's just such a challenge it was in everything i did and so it's just been one of those things where I've been willing to just say, you know what? I'm going to work on this the rest of my life because it really is just at the heart of my walk with God because humility is like the hero of the whole Bible, but it's never meant. It's rarely mentioned by name, but yet it's in all of the stories and how appropriate that humility would be the hidden hero because pride wants to be seen and named and noticed. Whereas humility is willing to be under something, pushing it and lifting it up. And so, may we all take that journey in Jesus' name. Absolutely, absolutely.
1: Um, I'm not sure if we fully fleshed out the question of identity in Christ and our sense of yeah, uh, of calling. Can yeah. we Can we kind of move back to that and and tap yeah. into that a, a little bit? Sure, um, sure. Well, I, do you have any? I do, do you have anything say, more to say about that? I, sh- I should say.
0: I do. I do, especially in the area of calling. You mentioned calling. Um, That's tricky because I would think that if I said yes to the call of God, which I did at 23 years old, I'm 45 today, and um, I said yes to God at 23 and started pursuing the call of God, uh, never realizing that you can get involved in spiritual endeavors and still have carnal approaches to them and they sneak in then, everywhere. If, if Satan can't get you to not live for God or to not accept the call or to not get involved in the church, then he'll just try to get you to do it the wrong way. And, yeah. uh, you know, we can take a call of God and then we could implement carnal ambitions. Like I want to pastor the largest church in the world. You, know, I want to lead the best small group anybody has ever seen. Well, at, Face value, maybe winning a lot of people to the Lord or leading a killer small group is a great achievement. But the motive of it is very prideful because you're really looking for self, self exaltation. And so I think that's good. As your identity gets shored up in God and not your achievements, you can actually achieve some of those things, but never put yourself as the hero of it. And that's how you know your identity is working in the right direction is it just seems like everywhere God is using you, others are being lifted up and God's name is being glorified. It just seems like God is getting the credit for all of it and people are being healed and lifted from it. And you somehow are just the hidden hero of the story. And I think that's when your identity is truly in Christ because he loves that. He he loves when we are so immersed in him and his cause that we're not doing it for us and I think it pleases him. I think and and in the end he winds up lifting those people up into leadership roles because they can handle it because they know the one who lifted them up. They're not in the role because of yeah. themselves but because of God.
1: What I hear what I hear when when I'm hearing you say this, I'm hearing maturity spiritual uh, and even good. emotional maturity when yeah. i can do things and not feel like i have to get the credit for it not only you know am i doing it and god's getting the credit but mm-hmm. i'm doing it from a practical standpoint and somebody on my team is getting the credit and i'm celebrating with them yeah and yeah and what people don't realize is if you're the leader and your team members are doing significant things and you celebrate them even publicly mm-hmm. celebrate them that doesn't yeah. make you any less of a leader. In fact, that makes you more, a more yes. effective leader. That's beautiful. If somebody on your team is doing something significant.
0: Absolutely. And it should be our desire. And it's one of those things we talked about early, earlier. It's, it's, it's like you think if you did that, you would never get credit for anything and you would never be promoted. But the opposite is true. You end yeah. up really being advanced in the kingdom of god but it's a byproduct it's a fruit of a humble life versus an achievement of a prideful ambition uh pride pride just makes you so ambitious you just want to achieve yeah. achieve accomplish accomplish beat 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 win 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 and uh i saw that in myself in competition i just want to compete in everything i was pride but but humility just what's next so pride wants more humility just what's next It just wants to obey it wants to do it wants to please the lord because sometimes next isn't more it's less and uh, Craig shelf said you know you can get to a place in leadership where your next is about your nose and not your yeses and he's talking about focus and condensing but that's true in the lord sometimes no to yourself is what advances you in god's eyes and maybe you don't take that next thing that maybe would make you look good, but it's not what God's telling you to do. I've seen men Mm -hmm. in our church take jobs making less money to fulfill the call of God in your life. So now they have to drive uh, more humble vehicles. They have to live in smaller homes, but they're fulfilled Mm -hmm. and they're full of God's grace and they're full of joy. But yet in the world's eyes, they didn't have more. They didn't get more. So some would say God let him down, but he would probably tell you he's never been better.
1: That's tremendous. I love that. Well, as we kind of move towards a, a, an ending to this conversation, I, I, I love to talk about the pre, the really practical side. And I know that we've already dabbled in this and uh, we may repeat some of what we've already said, but what are some practical steps or habits that, that individuals yeah. can adopt to, to nurture humility in their daily lives?
0: Yeah. Thank you for that question because sometimes I get into the abstract and sometimes it's just good to nail it down. But, um, you know, I I would definitely say journal. Journal your experiences in life. Mm -hmm. It'll help you. Uh, I find it helps you really reflect so that you're not moving and carrying baggage with you and not realizing it. Um, It really helps you you you.
1: flesh out. It really helps you flesh. Journaling helps you just flesh out what is actually going on inside of you and it's it's yeah. super important emotional intelligence is super important Ooh. for uh yes for pride and humility topics it's it's huge for that so yeah. i didn't mean to interrupt you go go ahead or i did mean to
0: <laughs> oh you know the scripture says god resists the proud but he gives yeah. grace to the humble so what I would say to a person is if you feel an inner angst all the time, an inner That's frustration, it. the issue is likely pride. And what I would say to you is go to God first. So if you'll humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, he will exalt you in due time. Yeah. It says, so in practicality, I would say go to God, humble yourself, and you may not even know all the things to confess. You, it may sound something like, God, I can feel that there's pride in me, but I don't even know where to start, how to identify it, but I can feel that there's a resistance from you. I don't feel close to you. I don't feel like I'm favored by you because that's what grace is, the unmerited favor of yeah. God. Lord, help me not to live in a way that makes you repulse by me. Make my spirit attractive to you, Renew in me a right spirit. And so I would say in your prayer time, confess and let God confront. And, you know, as you're journaling, see what you write, see where your hurts are, because sometimes our wounds speak like it, if we go to a family event and we leave bleeding, is it because they wounded us or is it because they bumped on an already existing wound? because a lot of times they didn't wound us they really just bumped us in an area we were already wounded, and that came out for me so just pay attention to how you feel when you leave uh church events uh, meetings uh family events how are how do you feel when you leave these things because to me that's going to tell you where you are in your pride and humility because they affect our relationships so when you leave a conversation reflect on it journal on it because and for I'll, me that's what helped me the most
1: and I'll add even identify the emotion that you're feeling what is it is it and and not just anger or sadness or happiness yeah. you know identi- truly identify the emotion what is what is deep down what are you feeling even if you need to go on the internet and get you a, a an emotion wheel identify <laughs> yeah. what's going on because if you know what's going on If you name it, you can tame it.
0: That's good. I like that. And you've helped me so much in our conversations with really, you know, melting down. What are you feeling? Why are you feeling that way? It's helped me uh, because one of the things you do when you struggle with pride is you minimize your deficiencies and your flaws. So (laughs) you never dig deep into your inadequacies because they're too scary to. uh, So that really helped me a lot. Just making me express, you know, what I feel exactly. Uh, I did want to say this uh, Pride's favorite word is offense. Um, if you deal with pride, you're going to find yourself offended a lot. Mm-hmm. But make sure you call it that because if you deal with pride like I did, you would never say you're offended. You would just act out that you're offended because to say you're offended is to mean someone got the upper hand on you and now you're hurt you would never say it yeah so you would act out in anger or resentment or criticism or mocking or belittling so be careful of that uh i just wanted to say that because i didn't say that earlier if you find yourself offended a lot at the root of it's pride
1: that's good i'm glad you brought that up yeah any any remaining practical steps or habits that you could think of?
0: I would say never boil your crawfish more than two to three minutes because I find that that's the sweet spot. And if you boil them that way and put the right amount of seasoning, you'll never be disappointed.
1: But how long do you let them sit after they've come to a ball and you've turned the heat off? That's yeah, the I question because everybody. Oh, we'll have a, but
0: yeah, we'll have a bunch of Yankees Eric- eating raw crawfish, so I have to explain this. You bring your water to a complete roaring boil. Boil. We say ball, but it's boil. And when that smoke is coming out the lid and it's swirling, that's a complete boil. Then you drop your crawfish in there. It's going to take that away. You just let it sit while it's coming back to a boil. When it comes back to a full boil, you want to boil them two to three minutes, cut it off and soak them as long as you want that juice to get in there. Make sure you suck the heads. If you do not suck the heads, you're not even eating crawfish. Uh, you're a Yankee, and you need deliverance, and you have much bigger issues than pride. And uh, but anyway, I, I, that's my last bit of advice.
1: So before we get in uh, completely derailed here, uh, I always I always end my podcast with this ending question, and uh, and so we need a little bit more advice. If you can dig deeper, a little bit deeper. What's That's one thing than that? <laughs> what's one thing that, and it then it can be related to the topic, but it doesn't have to be. What's one thing you wish
0: you could tell your younger self? Mm. Oh, wow. Well, I would say, Josh, trust the Lord. It's all going to work out. You're stressing out about what you're going to become, what you're going to achieve. When really, if you just focus on your walk with God and obey Him. You're going to always wind up in the right spots. And ultimately, in all of my mistakes, what I've learned is that he always works it for my good and he factors in our greatest flaws. So I would tell my younger self, stop worrying, get over the fear of failure, get over yourself. You're going to win, but you're going to win by God's hand, not your own. And that would be my advice. That's great advice. Great advice.
1: Well, Pastor Josh, this has been a phenomenal conversation. Um, it's definitely hitting a, a different angle of insecurities that I've never hit on the show, and I'm I'm so thankful for you coming on and giving us your your time. And uh, it's been such a pleasure to have you on. If people want to connect with you in some way um, online, where can they find you online? Your maybe your church website or whatever. Yeah.
0: The book is going to have a landing page at Mark of the Least, but right now I think the best way, uh, I preach most Sundays at hopchurches.com. Uh, we have our YouTube okay. channel. We have a Facebook page and anything we do for the book will also go through those venues. Would love to connect to them. So hopchurches.com, that stands for house of prayer. Uh, so HOP okay. churches, plural.com and, um, would love to connect and hopefully people go out and buy the book. We want to launch it sometime uh, spring of next year and uh, hopefully do some community group curriculums with it because it changed my life so much. I hope I can get this in the hearts and minds of other believers. I believe it will really help them.
1: Absolutely. We're I'm, I'm looking forward to it for one. You also have you. church junkies and uh, don't want to breeze past that. You have a devotional, you have a book, but you also have a devotional. Tell us a little bit yep. about that and, and where we can find that.
0: Church Junkies is on Amazon. That's the best way to get it. Uh, but okay. also uh, I was able to do, is just a, a God thing, but I was also able to put a little devotional, a Church Junkies devotional on YouVersion app. So it's one of the Bible studies you can do on the YouVersion app. And um, like I said, that was just a God thing. I don't even think they allow people to do that anymore. It has to be an invite only. But um, I I hope you go check it out and I hope it really blesses you.
1: Absolutely. And I will, if you will give me those links, I'll be sure to put them in the the show notes so people can find them really easily. Thank you so much. So this concludes our, absolutely, absolutely. This concludes our show today. And if you're a new listener, be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to audio podcast or on YouTube. And also, it would just make my day if you take a minute and rate the show and write a review on Apple Podcast or wherever you listen. My name is Ryan Franklin. Thank you so much for joining us on the Christian Leader Made Simple podcast.